0: Um, in a series on the books of First and Second Samuel, um, if you missed last week, um, sorry, you missed it. It didn't get recorded, so um, you, it was the best sermon ever, and um, there was a, a visible manifestation of glory of God in the building, and just, you have to believe me, because there's no recording of it. Uh, we are going to move on in the story to 1 Samuel 3. I'm going to kind of catch you up on what happened beforehand so you have some sort of sense of the narrative. Um, This is in the time of what we call the the period of the judges in the Bible. So uh, the Israelites leave Egypt. They have a visible leader, a singular leader, Moses. Um, He doesn't get to come into the promised land uh, because of some of his own sin. And Joshua takes the people in, and they do most of what they're supposed to do, but not all of it. And Joshua dies, and then what happens is there's this Israel is kind of settled in the land, and there's this kind of confederation of tribes, um, but there's no singular leader in the land. And so every once in a while when Israel would need a sort of slap upside the head, God would send a judge. Not really to decide legal matters, but to pronounce the judgment of God, first on his people that they'd forgotten him, and then on their enemies when Israel had finally repented. So, this is the time period of the Judges. There's no king in Israel. At the end of the book of Judges, the author of that book makes it very clear that's a big deal. There's no king in the land. Israel is not sure what to do. There's political anarchy, there's moral anarchy. And the book of 1 Samuel starts with the story of this barren woman, Hannah, who's been wronged uh, uh, by the family that she's in. She's one of two wives, and the other wife makes fun of her for her barrenness. And She cries out to God, Would you please provide me a son? Uh, and she will devote him to the service of God. And God answers her cry, Samuel is born and he is given over. Uh, to service at the tabernacle in Shiloh, uh, this temporary place where the worship place of Israel is. So, what we're not going to read is First uh, Samuel, the rest of 1 Samuel 2. I'll catch you up on the, what happened there in a second. We're going to start reading in 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. And we're going to read this whole chapter. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli, that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. And Samuel grew, and the word of the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the words of Samuel came to all Israel." We pray God, we thank you that you are the speaking, revealing God. We pray now that you would give us the ears to hear your voice, that our eyes would be open to see you standing before us. We pray God that we would not just hear your word but recognize it as yours, and that we would respond in obedience. We pray God that we would respond in love. We know that we need you for this, God. So we trust You to do this by the power of Your Holy Spirit to the glory of Jesus. Amen. What's happened here uh, is that Samuel is being presented as a a kind of idealized son that Eli doesn't have. The previous part of of chapter 2 that we didn't read describes for us, the reader, what Eli's sons are like. And you heard this reference to Eli's sons. These two guys, Phineas and Hophni, they theoretically serve the Lord, but they use their position for their own gain in a number of different ways. They have inappropriate relations with women who come into the tabernacle, and this thing that keeps getting repeated often, they use their position to take the portion of the offering that is reserved for God and they eat it themselves. So God looks on them, and we're in the text given this image of them as these two bad sons. That's in 1 Samuel 2. Two bad sons for whom, on whose account, God will judge Eli and his family. And then 1 Samuel 3 starts, and Samuel is presented as this alternative son, this alternative faithfully serving son. Even though he's not a natural son of Eli, you can see there's this closeness and relationship, which makes sense. Samuel's lived with Eli for most of his life at this point. So Eli addresses him as my son. So in 1 Samuel 2, you have two bad sons. And in 1 Samuel 3, you have this good and faithful son. So then this contrast is laid out that in this season in Israel, There is darkness and the Word of God is is hard to come across such that even Samuel who serves in the tabernacle doesn't know the voice of God. Cannot recognize the voice of God. The voice of the Lord, the Word of the Lord had not been spoken to him. He cannot recognize the voice of the Lord. And this, if you have kids, is a, a scene that you can maybe relate to. Your child comes out of their room in the middle of the night and what is the number one thing you want? Go to bed. Leave me alone. Go to sleep. It takes Eli three times of being woken up to realize there's maybe something going on. And I can feel for Eli here. It would probably take me three, four, five times to think, okay, maybe this is God speaking. And not just you need to go to the bathroom and there's more monsters in your room. So Eli says to his spiritual son, this time when you hear the voice of the Lord, respond. Say, speak. Your servant is listening. And Samuel, this boy really, finally does that. And there's some sense that there's this kind of physical understanding that God is there. Because it finally says that the Lord stood there and spoke Samuel, Samuel. He responds and he says, Here I am, speak. Your servant is listening. And he's given this word of judgment for Eli and his family. Eli, whom he probably knows and loves. Eli wants the cold, hard facts. He wants the medicine to be given him all at once. And he says, Don't you dare hide it from me. And he receives this word of judgment that forever... Eli's family will be cut off from serving in the tabernacle. This is a profound loss. Not just for him, but for every generation to follow. Earlier in 1 Samuel 2, the judgment that's promised before it's announced is that Eli will lose both of his sons on the same day. He will experience profound grief because of this judgment. And note too that God lays this at the feet of Eli. He says, "These are your sons, and you did not do well enough to speak to them of the sin they were entangled in." This is uh, the circumstances of this is maybe easier to identify with than at first glance you might think. It is not hard for us to think of a world where things are dark. It seems as if the lamp of God's Word is sputtering and about to go out. Where the Word of God is hard to encounter. This is one of the things that I think people struggle with uh, as, as Christians as much as anything else. How do I encounter the living Word of God? How do I know when and how and what God is speaking to me? People have a hard time recognizing the voice of God. I think that's been true for a long, 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 long time. I think it's been universally, historically true. We have our own historical present reasons to believe that the Word of God is hard to discern and hear. There's just a lot of noise out there, isn't there? There's just a lot of things that can distract us and cloud the signals as it were. And now we have these little devices that have become part of our being that travel with us everywhere, even go to bed with us, so that at any moment we can get more noise, more input, and more distraction. So isn't it easy for us here today to say the voice of the Lord is hard to discern. It is difficult to hear. And I I don't know what your version of that is. I don't know if it's just distraction. If you are lonely in your life, if you are depressed in your life, if you are giving yourself over to sin that makes you shameful, that makes you embarrassed, that makes you hide, all of these things can cloud our understanding and hearing of the voice of God. So it's easy to understand where Eli is coming from as the tired parent. It's similarly easy to hear to see and understand where Samuel is coming from. God may be speaking, but we don't know quite yet how to hear Him right. It is instructive for us present-day distracted people, people looking to hear the voice of God, that we should see that Samuel needed help. He needed another person to say, "Hey." God is speaking to you, you should listen to him and respond. In our day and time, we have a profoundly individualistic approach to life with God. Your life with God is about you and your personal experience. And we mostly want it to be that way. If anybody kind of intrudes and dares to speak a word of disagreement, Um, we interpret that as a word of judgment and we're just saying, "Don't you don't know me. You don't know what God is doing. Get out of my business. This is between me and God. And if you're not saying that, somebody may be telling to you, hey, that's between you and God. I don't want to hear that. And so when people have a hard time hearing and discerning the voice of God, And they have rooted within them this commitment to individualism like I think we're all tempted to as people who live in this culture. We have no help outside of us. And if you sort of study and trace the arc of the way God speaks in Scripture, there is no individualism in Scripture. God calls you to a part of community. God speaks to you within the context of community. So if you are in living your life and you know that nobody is connected to you, nobody is a friend to you, nobody is a partner to you that can help you discern the voice of God who can speak to you the words of God, you are in danger. And you are not living the kind of spiritual life that you are meant to live. You don't have somebody else that can help you say, hey, dummy, that thing that you've heard three times, that's God oh, okay, I know I need that. I know I need people who listen to my life with ears that are not mine. And they can help me hear and see the shape, the contours of God speaking to me. So this should serve as both an encouragement and a warning to us. If you are alone, if you cannot think of the person who speaks into your life, you are not in right standing with your life as it relates to how God wants you to live your life. We would love to help you with that. Small groups, life transformation groups, whatever it is, you need spiritual friendship to make it through your life. God does not call His people to a life of individualism. It is not between you and God. It is between you and God and us and you and God. When you are alone, you are in danger. But, if that was the only lesson to be learned here, it still wouldn't be quite enough. Samuel had never heard the voice of the Lord. God had not yet spoken to him. What if your friend tells you that it is the voice of God? and you still miss what He's saying to you. See, this is is the state that all of us are in. We believe as Christians that God is a self-disclosing God. That He reveals things about Himself. He is the initiator of relationship. He is the one who drives the story forward. And He is always on the front foot in our dealings with Him. And if I said that the whole thing could be fixed simply by you having good friends to help you identify the voice of God, that would be a lie. Samuel is for us not just an indication of what we should be, But when we read Samuel's story, we are given signposts to look forward to what God would do to make His voice all the clearer. Jesus Himself was born in unlikely circumstances, to say the least. Born to this unexpected woman without a husband. And Jesus Himself would be devoted to the service of his father all of his life. And there was no moment in Jesus' life where he did not yet know or discern the voice of God. John 1 starts with this description of the Word of God who had eternally been with God and was revealing God to all the people. So John gives us the image of the Son being the one who lived at the side of the Father. Eternally leaning upon the breast of God, coming into the world, rightly telling what the Word of God needs the people of the world to see and to hear. Samuel needed help to discern what God was saying and what his voice was like. Jesus comes into the story and reveals Himself as the perfect revelation of the Word of God. When Samuel hears the word, he goes back to sleep. He wakes up in the morning. And did you notice what the text says he does first? He opens the doors of the temple of God. And when he does, he speaks a word of judgment on Eli and his family. But when the Word of God, when Jesus comes into the story as the right hearer and right teller, the right revealer of the Word of God, He comes and He throws open the entrance to the temple and He speaks a word not of judgment, but of reconciliation and welcome. Samuel is the better son in 1 Samuel. But Jesus is the better Samuel. Jesus is the thing that the prophets would point to, presenting Himself as the right and true prophet of Israel, who could really and truly pronounce the words of God with clarity, not in just what He says, but what He does. And Jesus Himself is presented as the right and true judge of Israel. He will not judge Israel as Samuel judged Israel, but will instead speak a word of judgment that pierces people from the inside out, laying bare all of Israel, everyone who will listen. As we are the ones who have forgotten the Word of God, who have, like Phinehas and Hophni, used the name of God for our own gain, for our own comfort, for our own self-pursuit. But Jesus will come as the judge and expose us and then welcome upon Himself the judgment of God that should come upon us. So Jesus, the real and true judge of Israel, then when He throws open the doors of the temple, does not throw us on the altar, but throws, upon, throws Himself upon the altar. Not just the real prophet and judge, but himself the real and true sacrifice, so that we might hear from his own lips this word of welcome and grace. You see, you and I, we are not the heroes of this story. We are not to read this story and say, we should be more like Samuel. Listen better, listen truer. We are to be reading 1 Samuel 2 and 3 and to say, oh my goodness, how corrupt I have been. How often I have turned aside from the voice of God. And me, even a Christian, would use the label of the name of God to live my own life the way that I want for my own comfort and my own pleasure. I cannot be the one who hears rightly. Rightly. The hero of 1 Samuel 2 and 3 is Jesus. Jesus is the one that hears and reveals what we cannot. Jesus is the one who tells us the truth about our standing before God, but does not leave that pronunciation in judgment. Jesus is the one who presents himself as both judge and redeemer, the prophet rightly revealing what God wants to do with us. If you are here this morning and you know that you have been caught asleep, you have slept through the voice of God time and again in your life. Maybe you have heard the voice of God before. But you have slept through. You are spiritually hard to shake awake. There is a word of grace to you this morning. God is the one who speaks and hears. And God provides spiritual life. Would you return to Jesus and not come to Him fearing a word of retribution, but instead receiving from Him reconciliation? And if you are here this morning and you have never, ever heard the voice of God and responded, Let me say to you what the psalmist would say, what Paul would say. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. The revelation of God stands before you with the lights turned on. The lamp of God has not gone out in the world The light of God has come into the world that you might see. He stands before you as the one who might rightly condemn you, and yet as the one who welcomes you as brother or sister because of the inheritance of Jesus that He wants to give to you. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts any longer but instead come in to the temple of God because God has done all that is necessary to bring you close that you might live with him forever. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning that you speak clearly You speak clearly, even if we listen with fuzzy ears. You knew that more would be required of you than just speaking clearly. You have come and demonstrated your love while we were still enemies, while we were still committed to the cause of opposing you. You demonstrated your love the judge, stretching himself on the rack, receiving the judgment that should be given to us. We thank you, God, that we in you have the opportunity to be not Eli. Us and our generations cut off forever. God, I pray this morning that you would help us to hear in the midst of a world crazy with distraction Dense with lies and darkness. Soften our hearts. Open our ears. And I pray, God, that all who are here who hear Your voice might know that they hear because You are coming after them, because You want them to hear, and You want them to come close. So, Lord Jesus, let them turn aside from sin. Let us lay our sin down and instead receive from You this offered redemption. There is no one like you, Jesus. You are better than Samuel. You are the better, the best judge who stands next to us, the defendant. There is no one like you, Jesus. Let our hearts respond to you in love all the days of our life. Amen.